My name is Dr. Michaela Keegan Yadley, and I've spent the last 17 years of my career in schools as a teacher and principal. I started the Dissect Ed podcast to help you by using my strengths of connecting and relating to bring amazing guests to you each week. We will cover a wide range of topics related to all aspects of and roles in education. My goal? For you to enjoy and feel successful in your role so we keep amazing teachers and leaders in schools. Thank you for all you do. Take care and enjoy. This podcast episode is brought to you by the 3D Printing Man. Get everything from custom food bowls for your pets to chore lists for your family in more than 15 vibrant colors all custom designed. Visit his store on Etsy by searching The 3D Printing Man, all one word. Again, that's The 3D Printing Man on Etsy and get 10% off with the code DISSECTED. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving. I am so excited for today's episode. I intentionally saved it for today, recorded it a couple of weeks ago, uh, because as much as it filled my soul to interview uh, this guest. I think it will fill yours as well, especially as we think about the challenges that we faced specifically in this first, let's say, little over a quarter of school. Um, So today's guest is Superintendent of Hazelhurst City School District, Cloyd Garth Jr. Um, He is a reader, motivational speaker. He is a publisher and a writer, plays the piano, composes music. He was a social studies and economics teacher early on in his career. Um, He has his bachelor's of science and history, a master's in curriculum and education. Um, He's getting his doctorate in educational leadership and administration, all from the University of Mississippi. Um, He's been working in various levels of education. Like I stated before, he was a teacher. He's been an athletic coach for baseball and girls basketball. Um, he has worked at the elementary level, the high school level. And so he says that all of these experiences have prepared him for his current position as superintendent in Hazelhurst, where his passion for educating and motivating young minds and excellence is being fulfilled on a grander scale. I would also say, though, that he motivates his staff um, as much as he motivates young minds. And you're going to hear all about that today, which is what I am so excited for because it fills my heart and gives me hope to know that there are leaders out there, just like um, Superintendent Garth Jr., who are leading and having an impact on others to be empathetic, people-first leaders who understand that when when people are at their best, then we do our best for our kids. And that right now it's really, really hard to be at our best. It's amazing what he does intentionally every single day, um, and then just he calls himself chief problem solver, uh, which is for sure um, a challenge. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming uh, Superintendent Cloyd Garth Jr., and just enjoy this episode. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and I will see you after the holiday. Take care. All right. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Um, I am so excited to have our guest with us today, Superintendent Cloyd Garth Jr. from Hazelhurst City School District is joining us today on the podcast. And I'm gonna actually turn it right over to Superintendent Garth so he can introduce himself and uh, tell you tell you where he's been, what he's done, um, what he's doing now, and then we'll get right into our, uh, our dialogue. So uh, Superintendent Garth, welcome. 
Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on, on this on this morning. Uh, happy Tuesday to all who are listening this morning. I am Claude Garth Jr., instructional leader for the Hazelhurst City School District, which is located in Hazelhurst, Mississippi, a small town just south of Jackson, Mississippi, where we're all friendly and where excellent is the expectation. So I am I am currently in my fourth year as the superintendent, and we're looking to do some major things uh, during this school year. Even in the midst of the pandemic, we're still striving for our excellence. A little bit about myself. I have an uh, undergraduate bachelor's degree in history. I have a master's in curriculum and instruction, a specialist in AI leadership, and I'm currently completing my doctorate in AI leadership as well. That's a lot of degrees for someone who just simply wants to help people. Uh, but I, I think it's, it's beneficial when people can see uh, their leaders attain the highest level of their profession and want them to strive for more. Uh, what I like to do, I am also a minister. And so I like to empower people not only from the educational side, but from the spiritual side and to feed their spirit as well as their mind. So uh, this is what I try to do every day in all walks of my life. Sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not. But I pray that uh, what I do helps people and it plants seeds that can be used for further growth and for further development. Thank you so much. Um, good luck on your, well, not good luck, but best wishes on completing your doctorate. Um, yes. That is quite the task while you're leading a school district. So um, that, that's, that's great. That's amazing. Um, I would love, so I'm going to ex explain or introduce to, the, to our listeners why I immediately <laughs> reached out to you on Twitter, took a chance and just said, um, I know I'm over here in small New England, but I am going to send uh, Mr. Garth a message because I need to know if he will join the podcast. So the reason what stood out to me immediately um, was there was a question on Twitter, actually. Um, and the question was, uh, what is the biggest contributor to educator burnout right now? I can't remember which account posted the question, but I believe it was a, um, a teacher who you know facilitates conversations pretty regularly on Twitter. And your reply really resonated with me. Your reply was that the leading or biggest contributor was a lack of empathy and simple respect for the holistic health of individuals. Can you tell me more about that answer? What's behind it? And what has your experience done with this? Sure. And, and one of the things that stood out about that question to me was something very simple as understanding. If you want people to perform well, you have to invest in people. I, we're in the profession of education, but it's a product here that's a person. Yes. And we have yes. to invest in people before people can yield a product for you. Now, whether right. or not you want to be a good human being or not is a bonus, but even in business, you would say, how can I maximize product? And we understand that the nature of human beings are, it's hard for me to focus on something when I have so much other burden on me. And so my job as an instructional leader would simply say, hey, I hear you. And I'm not just hearing you, I'm listening to you. What do you need from me in order to make sure that you can perform at a high level, not just as an educator, but as a human being? The pandemic has been a hard time for all of us. I think anyone who's in education can say that it has changed the landscape of education, and we'll probably never return to what was formerly our position. 
So for anyone who works with me, because I say nobody works for me, everybody in my school district works with me because we have a partnership in making sure that we get to where we're going. What can I do from my seat in order to help you as a person? Uh, I I know the struggles mentally. I know the struggles physically. I know the struggles instructionally. Uh, We can't hide them. There are elephants in the room that are just talking loud and clear. What do you need from me? And then I just sit back and I listen. And if I can make it happen, I'm going to be honest with you. And if I can't, I'm going to be honest as well. But at least you know that there's never a day that goes by that you are not one of my main priorities. Oh, even just hearing you um, say that, and you know, we're doing uh, a video, uh, videos um, part of the podcast, so I can I can see the look in your eye as you're even just communicating that, and it's just it's uh, I feel it. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't work for you, and I feel like you're saying that to me. Um, so I can imagine that anyone who works with you, I say the same thing, work with me. Um, it, it must be, uh, have a profound impact on them, especially in uh, the, the challenging times for everybody. So, um, you know, thank you for your leadership in that, in that area. Um, have you noticed, so you've been doing this for four years um, and for, <laughs> the last four years feel like they've been 10 years in some instances. And it sometimes it feels like one giant year. Uh, that's a blur. Um, have you noticed that teachers are more burnt out this year than in previous years? Or do you think this has been gradually building over the last several years? No, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I think this burnout is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Okay. Uh, I've been in education uh, now for 12 years. And when I tell you, this is something different. I come from a line of educators. My parents were educators. And so, you know, as an educator, some things, we learn how to deal with stress. You've been at every position on this Mm -hmm. as well. And we learn how to deal with stress. And we don't even realize sometimes that we're stressing. Right. So when you notice people breaking down in our field, you have to say to yourself, okay, this is not normal. Because we handle stress probably better than 99% of the people on the planet. And when you see it, people saying, Mr. Garth, Superintendent, I need to go home, or I, I can't come today, or I, I'm really struggling to maintain my focus because I got so much other stuff in life going on. It, it hit us so fast and so quickly. And just to be honest, when you're in a rural district in Mississippi and you may not have all of the resources that some other places may have had, the the ability to change on the fly and my staff did a phenomenal job of jumping in and saying, we're going to make this work. We don't care. Our kids deserve it. But it took an extra level of energy uh, to go to that next level in spite of. And once we got there, the turnaround was so fast for the new year. And you were like, I haven't had a chance to breathe from March yeah. of 2020 to now. And so the stress levels, the burnout is at a all time high. Yeah. Um, Thank you for that. I, you know, I feel, I feel that too. Um, or I've seen that and, and that's what I noticed that I don't know if this can, if this resonates with you, but I was in a school um, to start this current school year. And I remember the excitement of the first day of school. It felt like the first, first day of school in so long. And, um, you know, we were a, a big urban district who had, and I'm, uh, I teach upper level. So we didn't have kids in person the previous year. For the most part, there was maybe a hybrid model, but it, the 
schools are really depressing places without kids. <laughs> it's, it's, they are, <laughs> the emptiness was so tan uh, palpable. Um, so to have them back that first day, I remember the energy in the building and the energy from teachers, the energy from the kids, the love, um, it, it felt so good. And I remember, um, the next day I was, ch uh, a teacher had asked for me to, um, go check in with them. And I took a look at this teacher who was always positive. He was a veteran teacher, uh, known for just loving teaching history, um, to his students, always had a really creative, you know, lesson. And I walked, it was day two when I walked in and he was sitting at his desk and he looked just exhausted. And, um, sure. and I thought, Ooh, I've never really seen him look like this before. <laughs> and he was asking for help on how to, um, modify, uh, an art, a pretty long article, um, to different reading levels to accommodate some students who needed, um, a different text. And when I was talking to him, I mean, he was having trouble even finding things in his email. He was like, he seemed so distracted. And I thought, this isn't the person I know. And he finally just looked at me and he said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm so tired and I'm so stressed mm -hmm. out. And I remember I said to myself, wow, that was a, that was quick. <laughs> this is, yeah. you know, from, from the first day to the second day, like this is usually like maybe a December or like a March, you know, yeah. uh, look or scatter. And I was seeing it on day two and I thought to myself, let me pay attention to this. Um, and so, and I noticed it, you know, kind of throughout the building and then among other colleagues that I had, or, you know, any place where, I could hear teachers talk. It seemed like all of a sudden, and my, my fellow, um, you know, school leader friends uh, and colleagues were saying the same thing. Um, yeah. That first week of school was, it, it was like a, almost like a tidal wave had hit. And I don't know that anybody really was expecting it. Um, I think in hindsight, we could all like, I guess, predict it or it under, it makes sense, but it seemed to hit people by surprise. Um that it all of a sudden felt so hard. Did you notice that at all or? Um... No, absolutely. Listen, when I tell you, I, I'm, I'm very reflective in my practice. Uh, one mm -hmm. of the things my mentor taught me how to do was be very reflective. And so I would notice little things that would really mean something to me. And one of the things I noticed in conversations, people would say, Superintendent, I don't know how long I can do this. Whenever an individual has to question the why on a regular basis, something yeah. else is going on that's different. So that was one of the key things. The other thing that I really noticed, and I laugh about it now, but I noticed it, I said, usually at a school, and if you've been at a high school, you notice know high school never closes. A high right. school runs 24-7. It doesn't even need doors because it's just going to be open to some function over and over. Yeah. And when you start to notice that even high schools at 3.30, the parking lot is empty. Yes. Yes. You know, and I was saying, wow, this is not normal. This is because people are so burnt out. I'm trying to go home just to get enough to come back and do it tomorrow. And I said, okay, we really have to start thinking hard about what we can do to really, really revitalize people who just don't have the energy. Yeah. I think, you know, something that you said made me think, um, I remember, you know, I was a, um, when I was a teacher, I was an athletic coach from year two, uh, until I became an administrator. Yeah. And honestly, if they had allowed us to, um, 
to still be coaches, I probably would have tried to do both. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, that feeling of you, you know, half an hour after the day's over, you get to kind of shed the day. I used to call it like, I just kind of shed the day and then gut out onto the field with some of my same students and other students. And then you're interacting in such a different physical way. Um, it was just the best. Um, and so, you know, I remember athletic coaching positions being pretty hard to come by. Um, you know, pretty, when, when a coach got a coaching job, they stayed in it for forever. And I was really blown away this year by the fact that some of the athletic teams in the school where I was in a, you know, in a, in a, a relatively large district, they couldn't field teams, not because there weren't players, but there weren't coaches. And these are, you know, paid positions. But the thing is that I used to volunteer, like there were a couple of years where I was just, where I volunteered, you know, because um, I think, I forget why I couldn't be paid. I think it was, uh, I was in a different district and I was still at coaching at the same school. I didn't care. I loved coaching. I was like, and then when I was back in that school, I was back on the paid staff, but that I didn't mind not being paid. That's how much I loved it. Um, so these are paid positions and they could, they weren't filling them. People were not doing the after-school activities, clubs, tutoring, all of the paid opportunities that usually teachers really, you know, they grab because it's a great way to make extra money still doing something that you love to do. And we didn't have a sports season for about four teams uh, because we couldn't fill coaching positions. And that, that, that spoke to me, just like you said, the parking lot was empty. Um, when I kept seeing those emails go out, I said, Ooh, mm-hmm. that I've never seen that before. Right. right. It, it's yeah. amazing how, how that works. And one thing about it, it, it hit everyone. I'm, I'm glad to hear uh, that it was uh, spread across, not just Mississippi, but, but in Rhode Island mm-hmm. and other states as well, because it just shows you the nature uh, of people and how this has affected people everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the solution can work in other places as well because the problem is the same. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and, you know, I want to know, as I speak with, so I'm doing a lot of um, interviews with teachers and really trying to um, identify and define what the general phrase is like, we're not okay, or we're burnt out, or we need help. Like, what does that actually look like? What are the things that are causing that so that people who are outside of education, A, can understand it, and then B, you know, people in leadership positions who may just be removed from that classroom experience um, can understand too, like, what are the specific challenges? Because if we don't know the specific challenges, then it's hard necessarily, we might try to address it and it might be the kind of the wrong, um, if you want to say prescription, right? Like the ailment that they have, we might prescribe something that doesn't, that doesn't get to it because we don't know what the actual symptoms are or what's causing it. But I wanted to ask too, having been in a, a school leadership position, never mind a district leadership position, how are you doing? It has to be challenging for you too. Um, how do you maintain your your balance, especially being empathetic. We take on as empathetic people, you take on the feelings and the, and uh, everything, the emotions that your staff feels. So how are you doing? 
I think I think I'm doing well, but I'm a teacher at heart, and so we never know when we're not doing well. But <laughs> I'll say this: uh, I have a really good support staff around me. Uh, my my assistant, who is my reflection, uh, she checks on me every day. How are you doing? Great morning. I have a a, a colleague who works with me, who is also a spiritual brother as well, who calls. Mm-hmm. What can I do for you? How are you doing today? Are you dropping problems? And so what it, it takes is just being able to flush out a lot of that toxicity and that negativity mm-hmm. from the day because you just have to have some people who can be on your side and you can vent to and they don't mm-hmm. judge you for venting. And now you can go back to being whoever you need to be for everyone else. I also try to do something. Uh, I, just try, I try to write every day. I, I like mm-hmm. to write. It, it allows me to release a lot of my thoughts and it allows me to get some things into the air uh, that may be beneficial uh, to other people. So I would think that I'm doing well, but I want to say this part about that. Because we have three different natures of man in tune with the mind, body, and soul, I think it's important that as educators, I know we can't teach uh, certain aspects in our schools, but it's important that we acknowledge what other people may believe and how they are used to getting through some things and i'm saying this to say this reason one of the things i do every morning for my my team we send out a thought of the day every single day before four or five in the morning they're gonna get a thought from me every day i I won't ever reference uh the bible i won't ever reference the quran or things of that nature but you may see a old ancient text uh, that mm-hmm. says something from a historical perspective mm-hmm. uh, that may be beneficial to how you're living today. And so even when you think people are not listening, they're not watching it, you, you'll get a, a text message say, I really appreciated that. I needed that for today. And so I try to make sure that even though I know some things are not allowed within the proximity and the parameters of our education system, how do I meet their mind's needs? How do I meet their physical needs and how do I meet their spiritual needs all without compromising any laws or anything of that nature? So I think it's very important that uh, it helps me to just help others that way as well. I love that. Uh, a text of the of the day. Who does that go out to? The entire the entire staff every morning. Uh, so the teachers too? Everybody. Yes, ma'am. That's that's incredible. Um, just starting with positivity from. From from somebody who I bet they would anticipate or expect that you have a lot to do from the moment you wake up, <laughs> um, yes. checking to see who's in, who's out, what the needs are for the day. Did anything come up? Like there's a lot that you as a superintendent can't control, right, about the day um, or can't control about when information is brought to you. Sure. And what, what response is needed. So for you to, I just want to make sure I, I really stop and pause for a second to say that and acknowledge that what you do and taking that time intentionally and consistently every single morning to get that message out to your staff might seem like something very simple, but that actually takes a, a very big commitment from you um, to block out noise for however long it takes you to, you know, populate that message, figure out what you want to say. Sometimes I'm sure you adjust it based on what 
uh, you know, kind of the current circumstances or any, maybe in response to something that's happened for you to block out everything that's waiting to come to you <laughs> for the day is actually a massive, uh, commitment and, and, uh, a big, a big move, um, that probably makes a really big difference. So thank you, because that's a pretty tangible thing that, you know, other, other leaders can replicate. Um, yes. but I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, you know, mislead anybody to, to say it's easy because I'm sure there are some mornings where you have to actually intentionally block out other things to make sure you get that text out to your staff. No, you're totally correct. And, and I tell people all the time, some ones I'd be like, I don't want to send that one. And I, I do something else. Right. But you, you have to say to yourself that your people are worth it and that they mean enough to you to make this time work for them as well. Because once a week, I you to say, hey, let's talk. Talk to me. Mm-hmm. Somebody send something back to me. Let's get this dialogue going. And that at this point now, I've been doing it for four years. They actually were send it without me telling them to let's talk. So it's, it's pretty I cool. Love- that's awesome. That, that's amazing. Um, so we've kind of already... Um, you know, covered the ways that you're encouraging your staff as superintendent. Have we left anything out um, of things that you either started doing pre-pandemic? I mean, you talk a lot about, and I think it's it's pretty amazing that you, the things that you started four years ago, you're still doing now. Um, that must actually provide a lot of comfort and stability to your staff because I think the message that, that gets sent or that they receive is, it's okay. Like things aren't okay, but our superintendent is still doing the same things that he was doing when he started before all of this craziness. Um, Can you share, are there anything else, is there anything else that you do to encourage your staff as superintendent? Have we left anything out or what would you recommend to other superintendents who, you know, are struggling with, like you said, staff who are calling you saying, I can't come in today or I have to leave or I don't know if I can do this anymore. It, it's funny you, you're asking. This is a great question. One of the things I try to do that may seem just real simple, but I try to be honest. And I, I tell everybody that works with me this. Family comes before anything else. I, I don't ever want them to forget their family uh, is their main priority. And one thing about that is this. If your family needs you, you can't be good for us until you know that they're taken care of. Handle your family business and come back to us because we expect excellence when you're here. Mm -hmm. And if you can't produce excellence here, we have a problem, but I know why you can't. So let me help you get everything situated so that you can come back and produce this excellence. One thing my mentor told me that I never forgot, he said, never take a job that you're afraid to leave. And that meant to me, you have to have the courage to lead people in a way that if they want to get rid of you, you can still walk out with your head held high. So one thing I tell everybody on our team about me is that your time matters. I don't want to ever waste your time. I don't want you to waste your time. And so on yesterday, my thought of the day was this. Go home if you need to. Get some mental breaks. But when you come back, be prepared to be excellent. And so I don't mind saying, hey, you need to take a mental break. You need to take a day off. And people may say that's crazy for production, but actually 
it improves your production because they know he, I, I'm not just a cog in the wheel that he sees as an inhuman per, uh, material. I'm a human being that has the respect of the district leaders, and I'm willing to sacrifice a day to make sure that you can last a year. So I, I don't mind if I have to go teach the class for you, but go home. Let's do what needs to be done because when you're here, excellent is the expectation. You know, thank you for that. Um, it's, you don't, they're the best, I think the best uh, mentors that I've had um, in my career, whether you probably, as a, as a teacher, but really more when I was stepping into a leadership role, um, the best mentor or my mentor said the same thing, different words, right? Um, but that was one of the first lessons that he taught me and he never stopped. That's ever. Right. Yes. I mean, that was maybe uh, 10 years ago. I think I like formally started the internship and then went into, uh, into leadership. We don't work in the, even well. We weren't working in the same state, but we don't. We haven't worked in the same physical space in nine years, <laughs> um, and he still reminds me to this day about that people first. Right? I had another um, uh, uh, somebody I worked with who used to say all the time, "We're in the people business," and I had been a and I had, I was, I had been a principal for four years, um, before I heard that term, that phrase. And I said, wow, we are like, and you said it too. You know, yes, we're in the, we're in the business of educating children, right. And making sure that they're growing and growing ac academically, they're developing, but we're really in the people business. And I don't know, I don't know that anybody really understands. Cause I didn't, even as a teacher, when um, in my first interview for the program, um, for my internship or my residency for certification, the questions that came to me was, you know, we know that you handle, um, student challenge, student, student challenges. Well, right. Like you, that doesn't seem to be an issue. How do you handle adult challenges? And I remember I, <laughs> I, I sat there and I don't love interviews to begin with because I think sometimes I just, I don't like talking about myself. And also like, I just, I, you know, you don't always say like, you always like later, you're like, oh man, I should have said this. But yeah. I remember sitting there and I looked at them and I had no idea what they were talking about. Cause as a teacher, I never experienced an adult conflict. Right. I got along with all my colleagues. <laughs> I was living life. Um, and so it became pretty clear to me right away when I became a principal, what that question was referring to. But, um, hearing, uh, this colleague say to me, we are in the people business. We are like primarily we're in the people business and we're in the people business of those who are, you know, the adults, but also, and also the kids. That's right. Um, yep. and the, the adult people business is actually, I, to me anyway, was the more challenging business than the kid business. Um, Absolutely. so, you know, I, I thank you for acknowledging, um, the things that you do to support the adults in this people business that we're, and they're people. We're not, I say all the time, we're not on an assembly line producing 
parts, right? There's not, there's not an instruction manual for what we're do, what children we're producing, right? We're not, there isn't that, um, there are so many variables. So, um, and that's one thing you have to think about, uh, to your point. So, so yeah. totally correct. The, the raw material that comes to us is so different. Yeah. So I can't tell you how much quality this product is going to have at the end. What I can promise you is that whatever the material is, I can get the most out of it. But that requires yes. our educators to be at top-notch condition because what we are, we are artisans. And, and, and we yes. are really, really builders. And you have to allow us to be at our full capacity in order to build. And so, as you stated earlier in, in the conversation, which is powerful to me, there's nothing greater than being in a classroom. There, there's nothing more powerful than just sitting and watching the minds explore and come to conclusions. And as you move up the rank, you realize that I don't get that joy every day. But what I can do is be the buffer so that they can be allowed to do that every single day. Yes. Yes. Um, I feel like you, you and my mentor are, um, so similar, you know, we're from such different parts of the, I mean, geographically, you know, we're in different time zones. We're in different, I mean, the, the, the climate that we're in, not the weather, well, weather climate too, but the, the it's so different, right? We probably have a whole different set of standards that we're working under and who knows what the teacher value, all of the stuff, but when it comes down to it, leadership is leadership That's and right. school leadership is leader is school leadership and um, managing and leading people is managing and leading people and supporting our educators as they, as they teach our kids is supporting educators as they, as they teach our oh, kids. It's the same. Yeah, it is. Um, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I think that, or I know that what you have shared is going to resonate and be extremely powerful for our listeners. Um, I think I said this before for teachers. Uh, I hope that if you're, when you're listening to this, you know that there are leaders out there who are taking care of their people and who are hopefully influencing other leaders to empathize and, and really take care of, of, of their people um, and to other, you know, school leaders or district leaders who might be listening, um, be, be a superintendent Garth. <laughs> um, but really, I mean, there's a lot, you know, we all have strengths and um, I believe in learning from each other's strengths mm -hmm. and you clearly have a, an incredible, incredible strength in this people business and in supporting those who really need it and your staff's lucky to have you. So um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for this uh, platform. I think it's amazing what you're doing. Uh, I told my staff once I get permission for them to listen, I want them to listen because it, it just shows us we're not alone in this battle. It's, it's amazing mm -hmm. that people from other states and other locales can come together and say, hey, you guys, we're fighting the same fight and we're trying to make all of our students better was it in Mississippi, was it in Rhode Island, was it it's in New York, California, no matter the place, we're all in it together. So uh, I salute you and I thank you uh, for allowing me to just have a conversation with you this morning about what we try to do in little Mississippi to make our place a much better place to be. Thank you. I mean, somehow I almost don't even know what to say 
that was such a powerful conversation with somebody who's so humble and truly is a servant leader. Um, he knows that taking care of the people that work in service of our students will provide the best results for our students, and he acts on that. Uh, Superintendent Chloe Garth Jr., thank you so much for being on this episode and showing us the way um, forward in how we get the best out of our people is by treating them like people and like they're important. I know there's a lot more we can do with this. I want to leave it here. Just like he said, if what's working in Hazelhurst, Mississippi could work here in Hartford, Connecticut, Providence, Rhode Island, th because the challenges are similar, even though the location would be so different, then there's hope that as a country we can come together and make the change we truly need. Thank you for listening. Until next week, take care.